What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? You're listening to This Week in Sports. I'm your host, as always, The Pody. It is Sunday, August 22nd, 2021. Thank you for joining me and making this show a part of your day, whether it's Monday or whenever you may be listening to the show. Normally, I would have done this on Friday, but I was waiting for Nick, who I said was going to come on to talk some NFL, um, give some predictions maybe for the start of the season, et cetera, et cetera. Well, he flaked on me, and he wants to wait until next week. So um, it remains to be seen if we will have him on at all um, for an NFL-based preview show. Um, So, you know, we'll, we'll see. So I do want to apologize on his behalf for skipping out on the show this week, um, things happen. So anyway, um, I'm kind of sort of a little bit unprepared, so just bear with me um, in terms of the flow of the show and my audio clips that I will be playing. Um, I do want to say last week I mentioned that it was episode 100 and I think 44 and that was wrong. It was 145. So I do apologize for confusing anybody if I did confuse you. But I uh, do want to jump in here and start with the uh, aforementioned football that I just talked about. NFL, we're, what, two weeks away? Something like 20 days or so away. There's one more preseason game. We might even be closer than that. What is it like? Um, I want to say the fifth is the first game. Um, or that Thursday, or one of these days um, coming up. Yeah, a couple weeks out. There's one more preseason game left. We have week three. A couple teams are still playing today in week two. And then, of course, you have Jacksonville against the Saints tomorrow. Interesting to see that Saints quarterback quarterback battle between Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. And then on the flip side, you've got the number one pick in Trevor Lawrence, Urban Meyer, uh, their first year there, see what they can do as well. But I do want to jump right in and start with week two of the preseason. I will get to uh, the Bears and um, also because they played the first game yesterday on Saturday. And then before that on Friday, there might have been a pair of games. Um, The Colts might have been one of those teams. And then I know the um, the Chiefs played the – who did the Chiefs play? Chiefs played the Cardinals, I want to say. I didn't really watch that game. But anyway, without further ado, let's jump in and talk some preseason week two, starting with my New York Jets. Okay, um, Thursday, I was gutted when this news broke. I'm sure you've seen it by now, but the New York Jets suffered probably the worst loss that you could suffer, not named Zach Wilson, okay? And that would be their joint practice with the Packers on Thursday. I don't know how these joint practices are going around the league, but I do know after this injury that Aaron Rodgers said he doesn't like the joint practices because of the injury aspect. There's a higher chance of injury. There were there were like three injuries 
for the Jets. I know Mims got hurt in that practice. He didn't play in yesterday's preseason game. Elijah Moore still out, although he's trending. He'll be fine. And then um, there was a young safety or corner that is out for the season as well that tore his LCL, maybe PCL, something like that. And then, of course, the big blow was Carl Lawson, the Jets' highly touted free agent acquisition. It's just like I said, it is an absolutely um, gutting blow if you are the Jets because, like I said, um, Carl Lawson is no slouch, okay? Um, Yeah, back to Carl Lawson. He is somebody that the Jets really um, were raving about in camp. He was in practices. He was absolutely the Jets' best player all all, all camp. And um, he signed a four-year, uh, th- something in the neighborhood of like $35 million or $30 million guaranteed. So it's a tough blow. He blew out his Achilles. Um, I knew it was bad when they said he heard a pop and then you had players praying on the ground for him and he was carted off. Uh, it's just, it's not good. So uh, um, from what I've seen recently from Adam Schefter um, in the past like hour or so, the Jets are now in scramble mode and they are trying to get a trade done to pick up um, anybody, really. And, um, you know, because you're not going to replace a guy like Carl Lawson. I know it's that next man up mentality, but you're not replacing a guy who was ranked uh, the third best pass rusher in the free agent market behind um, Shaq Barrett, who really wasn't going anywhere. He was going to resign with the Buccaneers and then J.J. Watt. And we all know that J.J. Watt is nearing the end of his career, signing with the Arizona Cardinals, and he is on a downswing. So you could make that argument that Carl Lawson, I believe he's, what, 26 years old, kid out of Auburn, um, not been in the league all that long, and he was really trending upwards for this team. So it's really tough, and um, I'm really, you know, I'm not happy about it, but these are the sorts of injuries that are bound to occur in a sport that is extremely violent. We all know that there's been injuries in the preseason before Jordy Nelson tearing his ACL, missing the season. That's why in our fantasy league, we draft at the end of the preseason, make sure there's no sudden injuries or things like that, um, last-minute injuries that can kill a a fantasy football team if you draft said player and then they're done for the year. After you know a preseason game, that's also why they cut down on the preseason, adding another. Well, not really. They cut down on the preseason, added another regular season game to line the pockets of the wealthy, the owners, etc. But that's neither here nor there. But we will move on, and we will get to this game between the New York Jets and the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau yesterday at four thirty. So Zach Wilson, of course, making his second career start after a nice couple of series. I think he played in two series last week against the Giants, maybe three. Um, and he he looked good. He, he really did. Um, I saw on multiple occasions you had Chris Sims as well as Stephen A. Smith, who's a Giants fan, okay? And Chris Sims' father, of course, played for the New York Giants. And both of them went on record to say that they thought Zach Wilson – played better than any of the five uh, drafted, highly touted quarterbacks um, in in week one, which is saying a lot. Now, Trey Lance, he got a lot of hype. So did, so did, um, 
excuse me, so did, um, you know, Trevor Lawrence, all, all the big ones, okay? And Justin Fields especially because he he had the, you know, most glaring numbers, you know, 140-something yards. He ran for a bunch of yards, had a couple touchdowns, whatever, this, that. Um, but the one thing about all these quarterbacks, they took some sacks and they made some easy throws. Zach Wilson was hitting some of your, you know, your NFL type throws that you need a highly touted quarterback to hit. And so I thought he had a good couple of series. Uh, the Jets, they had a fourth and one and they elected to run the ball up the middle and it was stuffed. I don't understand. Um, I've never played football in my life. I've never coached football, but I swear I'd be the most successful offensive coordinator in football history because anytime you have a fourth and short, fourth and one, fourth and inches, well, fourth and inches, if you got Tom Brady, you just sneak it right up the middle, right? You don't have to get cute. And most teams can just sneak it up the middle. Um, but if you have fourth and one or fourth and two, why is it that 99% of the time teams line up under center, you know, I formation, and they try to pound it up a stacked box? Stacked box, like goal line defensive formation. And it always gets stuffed. Okay, 90% of the time I feel like it gets stuffed, especially if you're the Jets, okay? And a couple of times last year, it was Frank Gore literally fighting for that extra yard or two and just making it. And that was all Frank Gore, okay, his experience and knowledge. You're not going to get away with that on most occasions. But most of the time it doesn't work. If I'm running this offense, I am in shotgun formation with a running back next to me, and now I have the ability to, you know, go pass, go run, you name it, go play action, and the defense has to play for two different options. They have to play. You could you could go run-pass option even, but they have to play for anything. If you go under center in I formation, you know, simply fullback and then running back, it's a run nine out of ten times. The good teams know how to go play action there and find somebody crossing, you know, those crossing routes to the tight end or or get a, um, you know, get a uh, wide receiver in one-on-one coverage and, and they just get burned. But, but that's my point. There's no reason to go under center there. You go in shotgun running back next to you, you can hand it off. The defense now either calls timeout or they have to, you know, audible and they have to go on the fly and try to figure out, you know, try to read what's going on. And then as the quarterback, especially the Jets this season with a Zach Wilson, who's very mobile, I would like to see them run these plays and him go with an RPO type situation and figure out if he's going to pull it back at the last second or sort of like a, you know, an option play really where it's just straight. He hands it off or he keeps it himself and runs it. But it's such, it would be such an effective play rather than just standing there and handing it off and getting stuffed. I hate seeing stuff like that. So anyway, those were his couple series in that first game. The Jets do go on to win that game 12-7. I really stopped watching at halftime. But um, let's get back to this game in particular. Zach Wilson's second game in Le- at Lambeau, of course, you know, prestigious um, arena to be playing in. And he was thankfully looking at about maybe playing the full first half of this game. Um and that's about what he did. 
So the first series, I believe, they went down. They got a nice stop on on defense, got the ball back, and then they went down and they had a um, third and about like four, I want to say. Yeah, it was third and four, and I th- I want to say, I don't know if this was the series, maybe it was the second series, but Wilson did have one really bad pass that I was kind of like, wow, uh, it was low and behind him. Like, those are the ones that are, you know, the growing pains, but um, they did good. They get down. They get into field goal range. Oh, this was, no, this was the one where this was his first incompletion. He was looking good, and he looked for Corey Davis on a curl route, I think it was, towards the sideline, and um, it was batted down by a uh, rookie first-round corner um, from Georgia, I believe, and it was a good defensive play, and so the Jets settled for a 54-yard field goal, and I'm curious to see how the kicking situation um, ends up because Chris Nagar, or Nagar, from last week, he missed the field goal. He was cut, so the Jets are left now with another rookie in Matt Amendola, and he nailed the 54-yarder. Actually, this kid looked like he's got a strong leg because even on the ensuing kickoff, he didn't look like he took a full run-up, like somehow um, how they just take like two steps and they they kind of pooch it into the corner. That's what I thought this was going to be, but he full-on kicked it into the end zone, which was very impressive. So he's got a uh, serious uh, leg, uh, does uh, Matt Amendola. No relation to Danny Amendola, I don't believe. But anyway, um, let's get to some of Zach Wilson's highlights. Here is one play um, from from Wilson that was extremely impressive. Chased on the play by Prevalent. And got his receiver downfield. That's Corey Davis, and he catches it right in front of Henry Black. Davis with an... Yeah, so that was... You can't really hear it there. But that was a play that was play action. He's supposed to go left. Um, the player is not open, so he has to run outside the pocket a little bit um, or run to his right, and he throws the ball about 35 air yards across his body to Corey Davis down inside, I think, like the 10 or 20-yard line. It was one of those, like, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers type throws. I don't want to make the comparisons just yet, but it was um, pretty special if you saw it. Um, and then here's Zach Wilson's first touchdown as a Jet. Left in again, the block at the left tackle. And to the end zone they go, and it's a touchdown. Beautiful catch, terrific throw. Brought down by Tyler Croft. And the Jets have taken the... Yeah, um, Tyler Croft, Rutgers product. I'm excited to have him on the roster this season. I know he's dealt with a lot of injury concern in his career. Of course, a third-round draft pick by the Cincinnati Bengals. But um, this was a absolutely dart throw. It was great. He looked off the safety to the right, came back across the middle, and he threw the ball to Tyler Croft where he threw it to a spot where he wouldn't get hammered. Um, and then he just brushes off the hit, spins, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown. So that was a really, really great throw. And um, he wasn't, he was not done yet again. Take a listen, his second touchdown of the day. And a snack at the same time. Wouldn't that be great? A lot of people would buy in first and 10. Wilson, caught on the move, got the ball. Oh, with a great sidestepping move. That is a touchdown for the Jets. Croft with his second. Second touchdown pass by Zach. So, Zach Wilson goes 9 of 11, 
128 yards and two touchdowns um, on the preseason and or in this game has a quarterback rating of 154.7 and he looks really good so far through two games just four incompletions I believe and it's insane because right now Zach Wilson I saw it on SportsCenter he is averaging 9.6 yards uh, per attempt or per completion I forget which one it is I think per attempt which is number one in the in in the preseason right now, which is shocking because Sam Darnold was a league worst, uh, like six yards, you know, per pass last year. Um, so yeah, shocking. And then his completion percentage is third right now. So he he's looking really really good, and he looks to be like, uh, you know, again, I'm a Jets fan, so I'm cautiously optimistic, but I can be a little bit excited because I thought. That you know, maybe should the Jets go Trey Lance? Should they keep Sam Darnold? I was of the camp and the mindset keep Sam Darnold and get a highly touted. You know, I wanted Devontae Smith, of course, but if not him, then go. You know, trade down, recoup some assets. Which the Jets surprised me though. They did. They they went Wilson and they were able to trade back into the first round to get Vera Tucker, the uh, O lineman from USC. So I was okay with the way they played this draft out. Then of course Elijah Moore. Of course, he hasn't played yet in the two preseason games after suffering that injury in practice a couple weeks ago. But from all indicators, this kid is going to be a stud. Um, Everybody's raving around him that he could be Offensive Rookie of the Year. So I'm excited. I'm excited for what the season brings. And we'll see. The Jets are now 2-0 in the preseason. And you could tell... um, I'm going to play a clip now from Aaron Rodgers during this game. He did an interview in the fourth quarter, and he has some high praise for Zach Wilson himself. So this is this is cool. Uh, what do you think of Zach Wilson and his performance in camp this week and today for the Jets? I, I got to know Zach a little bit uh, in the offseason, uh, had some conversations with him. He's a good young kid. You know, I really like his disposition, his mentality. He can throw the heck out of it. You know, he had a really nice throw where he kind of broke the pocket, broke contained, moving to his right, threw it way down the right sideline. That's the kind of stuff he's going to need to do. You know, as we saw this week in practice, they got a lot of young guys. Their front uh, offensive line still needs to gel together. I said, man, you got you to gotta be on your footwork and make sure you're dealing that ball because you know, there's growing pains as a rookie for sure, especially on a team that struggled last year. But excited for him. Uh, I really uh, have a ton of respect for Coach Sala. Haven't gone against him for a long time. And uh, obviously their, their offense coordinator is, uh, you know, in the family, so to speak. But uh, before you guys cut me off here, Kevin, I heard something about wings. So make sure you send some of those down to the sideline. <laughs> you have got it. Yeah, so some high praise. That's pretty cool from uh, Aaron Rodgers, considered one of the best in the business. And then afterwards, you've got Coach Robert Sala um, talking about Zach Wilson and what he has seen from the Jets' first-year rookie. You know, it, it, he's been going through his progressions, and it's and he's been very, he's been pretty good at that. It's, uh, you know, what you saw today was was more the same of what we're seeing. And I know sometimes the results not what we want, but uh, he is his process is light years ahead of what a normal rookie's process will be. And uh, you know, so for for him, it's again the good day, the results sometimes will be good. Sometimes it'll be bad, and he's just got to continue to find ways to get better when he sees both. There you have it. So some high praise process light years ahead of what a normal rookie's process would be. So 
That's good to hear. Of course, I was a little concerned watching that Jets green and white scrimmage um, in person a couple weekends ago, but they have since looked really good. Um, Yeah, so let's next go around the league and talk some other games that took place. Let's jump to Justin Fields, the 11th overall pick, and let's look at that game. Um, Let's see here. Let me see if I could find... Yeah. Okay, so right now in Chicago, there's a bit of a quarterback controversy. You've got Andy Dalton, and you've got the the rookie Justin Fields out of Ohio State. And so far, the consensus is Matt Nagy has said that Andy Dalton is going to start week one, although there has been clamor for Justin Fields by the fans in Chicago. Fields, of course, balled out in preseason week one. Okay, he looked very good. And Andy Dalton did not. And you fast forward to week two, and Andy Dalton did not look good again. And the Buffalo Bills destroyed Chicago 41 to 15. And nothing is pricier than watching Mitch Trubisky, Bears' former number one overall pick, go into Soldier Field against his former team that got rid of him in favor of basically Andy Dalton, and he just lit them up. So, um, you know, Andy Dalton played to the beginning, and then Justin Fields got, you know, much of the burn late. Um, What I can say is that Andy Dalton did throw one extremely nice ball to uh, Rodney Adams, Take a listen to this play. You've got to get to get guys jacked up to push their go buttons. That's what you need to do. Like this throw right here. It's Adams again. The connection and the touchdown. 73 yards. And that's all it is is one play. And that's uh, twice. What an acrobatic catch by Adams, as you mentioned, up the sideline. He's got the speed, gets to the outside, has a step. Twice, he's grabbed it off the helmet of the opponent and able to pull away for the touchdown. But that's all it is for a momentum changer. It's one play. Come on, guys. Let's go. And that's the play the Bears needed. Saran Neal in coverage. And Rodney Adams, who has yet to... So, Rodney Adams, cool story. The night prior to this game, so Friday night, he slept in a hospital uh, room with his wife, who was giving birth to their daughter. And then the following day... He goes out there and snags on that cornerback for a 73-yard touchdown. The Bears were trailing 28-0 at that point, so that was really the highlight for um, Andy Dalton. And then um, there was one play. I want to find this one play from Justin Fields getting absolutely lit up. Um, It made the rounds all over social media. It drew a a penalty flag. And this was one of those plays that that's the growing pains we talk about with a rookie quarterback. Uh, Justin Fields did not see the pressure coming off the right side, and he got blindsided, and his helmet came flying off. It was yikes. Take a listen. Pressure on Fields. Oh, the helmet came off. That's going to be a flag as well. And that ball is loose. Lots of sort out. Uh, Fields, good to see him back up on his feet. That was a jarring shot from Andre Smith. Yeah, Andre Smith destroyed him. He fumbles the football as well, 
and obviously they were going to retain possession because of the um, you know helmet to helmet hit um, and the protection of the quarterbacks there. But that's the one thing I've noticed from Zach Wilson so far in two games that I've not noticed from these other quarterbacks. Zach Wilson in two games, although it's a small sample size, has not been sacked one time, not once. So these are some of the things that that really stand out when when you talk about this. Um, Justin Fields finished up on the day. Let's see. Um, let me get you his numbers. On the day, Justin Fields was. Okay. Yes. Justin Fields on the day, nine for 19, 80 yards. He was sacked twice, and then he had a. Um, Game high, 46 yards rushing on four attempts. So that's the thing, the the extra dynamic he brings that obviously Andy Dalton doesn't. Um, and that's sort of the new age quarterback, right? The mobility effect, the Michael, not the exact, not necessarily the Michael Vick speed um, like Lamar Jackson has, but most quarterbacks today, you're Josh Allen, you're Patrick Mahomes. Now Mahomes isn't necessarily a runner, but he's fleet of foot enough that he can run for a first down if need be. If you bring pressure and you don't get to him, he can step up and he can run it, and and that's what makes these guys so great. And even Aaron Rodgers, he knows. He's not as fast as he used to be, but he can move up and he's, you know, footy enough, and that's what he was talking about in that clip about Zach Wilson. It's all about footwork. You don't have to be the fastest guy, but if you have the best footwork, you can be successful. And that's why Tom Brady has been so successful in his long storied career winning seven Super Bowls. It's because he's not fast. He is one of the slowest quarterbacks in the NFL, just as Peyton Manning was and Eli Manning. But guess what Tom Brady has that none of those, you know, you know, none of these young guys coming into the league have, and that's why they can't make it. He has the best footwork possible. Tom Brady knows how to feel pressure, and he steps up into the pocket and throws downhill better than any quarterback I've ever seen in my life and in, you know, the history of the NFL. Um, On the flip side of those things, back to this game, for the Bills, I'll give you Mitch Trubisky's final stat line, 20 of 28, 221 yards and a touchdown. So, yeah, way to just burn Um, your former team, and I'm sure he came in with a chip on his shoulder and wanted to play good, uh, wanted to play really well in that game. Um, Around the league, that Chiefs-Cardinals game was 17-10 Chiefs. Um, Let's see. I believe that, yeah, Mahomes, he played a little bit in this game, was 10 of 18, 78 yards through one interception. On the flip side, you had uh, Kyler Murray was just one of four for two yards, so I don't think he played much in that game. Um, you had the Patriots beating the Eagles 35 to nothing. And there's some contra- there's some uh, quarterback competition um, up in New England between Cam Newton, the incumbent, and Mac Jones, um, the newcomer. And most believe that it is Cam Newton's job to lose, but there wasn't much separation here. Mac Jones, 13 of 1,946 yards, and Cam Newton, 8 of 9, 88. Uh, excuse me, 103 yards, and a he also had a touchdown. So going to be interesting to see what happens with that um, uh, competition there. Um, you had the Dolphins beating the Falcons 37-17. Tua actually looked really good. So last year I saw a stat that he was league worst um, on third down completion percentage. 
And through two preseason games, he's hitting at an 88% clip. So um, he's looking good. Of course, they got Jalen Waddell, although Jalen Waddell got hurt in this game and was like limping off the field, but then he came back. He's a guy with injury concerns, so I don't know how I feel about him. I'm not high on Tua. I, I don't know what the hype is. I know he was the third overall pick coming off the hip injury. He just he looks a little undersized. He doesn't look like he has the super talented arm strength. So I don't know. Could he be like a Steve Young type? Yes. Um, could he be like a Mark Brunel? You know, I'm just trying to name some lefties. But he could also be a Matt Leinart. You know, he he's not going to go out there and, and be a Hall of Fame um, quarterback. So we'll see how that plays out. And then another one, you have Ravens, Panthers. Um, of course, the Jets are playing the Panthers in week one. Small sample size here. Sam Darnold just played uh, maybe one series. He was one of two for 16 yards. Um, and then for, on the flip side, the Ravens, they won this game 20 to three, the Ravens guys, they now have a 19 game winning streak in the preseason. The Baltimore Ravens have won 19 straight preseason games. Oh my God. So if you know, you're of the old adage that if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Maybe hammer home the Ravens in their final preseason game next week. Um, that would be interesting. They are, of course, going to be playing Washington um, next Saturday at 8 p.m. or 6 p.m. So I'm curious to see. There's no lines on that game yet, but I don't know. Something tells me getting to 20 is going to be a little more difficult. We'll see. Um, what other games we had? Oh, Big Ben and the Steelers. Uh, Big Ben played a lot in this game. Um, it's his first preseason game with multiple touchdown passes since 2016. Of course, Big Ben is uh, the only quarterback remaining from that historic um, class back in, what, 2003, I think it was, you know, of Rivers and Eli Manning. Um, he's the last one remaining. The other two have since retired. But Big Ben uh, looking good. He goes 8 of 10, 137 yards, two touchdowns. Deontay Johnson, um, he's going to be a fantasy stud. So as long as Big Ben stays healthy, look for him. Um, and then look. let's take a look at the number two uh, job between Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins. Let's see who can win that. Um, Haskins didn't help himself. Four of seven, 56 yards, took a sack. Mason Rudolph, 13 of 18, 138 yards. And like I said, Steelers win this 26 to 20. Um, and we move on. The Titans beating the Bucks, 34 to 3. Not really much to highlight there. You know, nobody really played. Matt Barkley uh, played a lot for the Titans. And, um, yeah, Kyle Trask for the Bucks. Not going to get into that. The Texans and Cowboys. Um, still no sign of Deshaun Watson. I don't know the situation there. I don't know what's going on still to this point. But, I, you know, there's not really been much, you know, talked about there. And then for the um, Cowboys, a little bit of concern for uh, Dak Prescott and that shoulder. He looks to be trending toward week one, but... I would like to see him play in that final preseason game a little bit before week one to just throw, not just throw him into the fire um, at the start of the season. But going to be interesting to see who wins that backup spot for Dak. Is it going to be Danucci? Is it going to be Cooper Rush? Um, you know, Danucci didn't help his case. 
He played the most, but he also threw three interceptions in this game, so not very good um, for any of these guys, really. Uh, you had the Colts beating the Vikings 12-10. to um, Carson Wentz is now trending towards playing in Week 1 against Sam Ellinger and Jacob Eason. Uh, interesting to see who wins that backup job. Uh, Eason was the better of the two. Ellinger threw two interceptions, two really bad interceptions. Matter of fact, balls that were right over the middle just tipped in the air and intercepted. Um, let's see. The Raiders beat the Rams 17-16. The Broncos won 30-3. That's another quarterback um, competition going on there in Denver between your obviously incumbent in Drew Locke and obviously, they recently signed Teddy Bridgewater, who actually got the start in this one. Drew Locke got the start last week. Teddy Bridgewater went 9 of 11, 105 yards, and a touchdown. Drew Locke, 9 of 14, 80 yards. Um, they got down into the red zone towards the end of this game, and it was a third down, I want to say. And he got tripped up by one of his linemen, I think, stepping on his toes or his feet, and he fumbled the handoff to the running back and had to land on it for a big loss, and they weren't able to put up any points there. So uh, we'll be interested to keep an eye on that. Uh, hopefully we'll have Nick on here next week to talk about his Broncos and who he thinks, you know, what he's hearing around the league from, you know, Broncos beat reporters, etc., who is going to win that job coming out of camp and will start in week one. Teddy Bridgewater now on his third team in, what, three years? Of course, he was on the Jets before being traded before the season, spent some time with the Saints, then was with Carolina, and now he is going, uh, he is with Denver. So we'll see there. Um, what else? You have games on right now, I believe. The Giants and the Browns are currently playing. And then you've got the 49ers and the Chargers a little bit later tonight. And then, like I said, the Saints and Jaguars tomorrow night. Um, so, like I said, again, we are inching that much closer towards the start of the NFL season. And instead of me, you know, guessing when the first game is going to be, it will be... The Bucks hosting the Cowboys on September 9th. So that, I believe, is Thursday night football on the 9th. Yes, it is. Okay. So there you have it. Then the Panthers host the Jets on Sunday the 12th. And that's when the season gets kicked off. And week one on Monday night, we probably have two games on Monday. Uh, no, just the Raiders hosting the Ravens on uh, the 13th on Monday Night Football. All right, so that pretty much wraps up our NFL coverage. And let's move on. Okay, so let's talk about something that happened over the weekend. Six Kentucky football players were charged with burglary after an incident at a party. So what exactly happened? Um, Thursday, they were charged with first-degree burglary, and sophomore safety Vito Tisdale added a charge of first-degree wanton endangerment in connection with an incident at a private party back on March the 6th, um, according to Lexington Police. The other Wildcats charged are cornerback Joel Williams, running back Juton McLean, cornerback Andrew Phillips, 
offensive lineman R.J. Adams and receiver Ernest Sanders IV. According to police, three uninvited people entered a residence where the party was held and were asked to leave. They became upset, threatened to return, and did so a short time later with additional players. The group forced their way into the residence, and one suspect was observed pointing a firearm at someone. Tisdale was identified as the person with a handgun. Um, Yeah, these players are all done. They will be suspended and effectively cut from the team and probably kicked out of the University of Kentucky. This happened um, a number of years ago under Kyle Flood with Rutgers players, or maybe even before that, a bunch of Rutgers players just committing all sorts of crimes and such and, you know, just... Terrible, terribly disgusting stuff. Um, it is a uh, privilege to play Division One athletics or to play any sport. It is not a right, and that's what these guys have to get through their through their thick skulls. Um, now with the name and likeness aspect of things, you have players getting millions of dollars in endorsement deals already before they even play a snap of a college game. So I don't understand why you need or feel the need to act all tough, you know, it's not an indictment on your manliness or your toughness to be kicked out of a party or asked to leave. Um, And then shame on those other players that returned to wreak havoc. Um, Yeah, that's like the whole big man on campus. Like, this is my campus and this is my town and you're going to respect me because I'm a football player at the University of Kentucky. Well, guess what? Newsflash, you play in the SEC, and the University of Kentucky football has not been relevant in a very long time. Yeah, they've had a couple good seasons here and there over the last decade, but let's face it, it's the University of Kentucky. You go to a basketball school. Nobody cares about football at the University of Kentucky. It's all about Wildcats basketball. Moving on. All right, let's talk a little bit of baseball. The Yankees and the Dodgers both stay hot, looking for, uh, looking to extend their eight-game winning streaks to a nine. The Dodgers did just that easy enough, facing the Mets, who are just in an absolute free fall. Um, they started the month of August with the division lead in the NL East, and I believe they've gone five and fifteen in the month of August and have free-fallen all the way to third in the NL East standings right now. Um, I thought that Philly was going to outright win this division, but the Atlanta Braves are one of the hottest teams in baseball, 9-1 over their last 10, and they now have a five-game lead over the Phillies and a seven-game lead over the Mets, effectively ending the Mets' season. They are not climbing out of a seven-game hole with a month and a half left to go. It's just been... Uh, a shockingly bad month of August. Yeah, the Mets have won just five games in the month of August, and I believe they are five and fifteen. Yep, five and fifteen are the Mets in the month of August. So it's just shocking how bad they've been. They transferred Degrom to the sixty-day IL. I don't think he's coming back now that they realize that they are out of the pennant race. Um, it's just not a good look. And then you have, you know, Steve Cohen going out there and saying, I don't understand how these professional hitters on the Mets can be this bad. Um, and when you look at the numbers, other teams are not this bad. 
And I had no problem with him calling out the team because it's something that the boss himself, George Steinbrenner, would have done. He probably would have fired Boone and Cashman in, you know, May um, before they've gone on this crazy run. So it's been, you know, it's been fun to watch as a Yankee fan, not so much as a Met fan, sorry. But yeah, the Dodgers extend their winning streak to nine. Listen, they're going to be the toughest team to beat in the National League for sure. Going out, adding Max Scherzer, adding Trey Turner. It's, I mean, it's basically on lock. Um, that they're going to win a World Series here. But um, on the flip side, you have my New York Yankees killing the game right now. Um, In the American League, they have the best uh, record in the month of August. They're on pace for one of the best best winning percentage in team history, I believe, in the last 50 years or in the American League in in the month of August. It's been ridiculous. They have a team ERA of, I think, 2.61 in the month of August, which leads the American League, and they're just, they're getting, only going to get healthier. Um, You got Cole and Montgomery back from the COVID list. You got Sanchez back. You've got uh, Zach Britton pitch really good the other day. Um, even though he's been struggling, he looked good. So that's, that's good to see, you know, you have this kid, Andrew Velasquez, um, who is just, I mean, what a revelation he's been kid born in the Bronx, couple blocks in the Bronx, couple blocks from the stadium. He's actually been staying at his, you know, parents house, you know, while he's with the team, while they've been on this homestand. And then of course he capped off yesterday's game with, you know, his first home run of the eighth. This is tattooed down the line, and this is gone! The hometown kid, Andrew Velasquez, born and bred in the Bronx, his first home run in the show. Yeah, and they showed his parents filming it and stuff in the stands, and they were all crying. I mean, this kid's been a revelation. We had a game a few days ago or earlier in the week against the Red Sox, that doubleheader. We got into some trouble in the last inning, and Velasquez just made an unbelievable play. He had Odor coming over in front of him, shading his view. He misses the ball, and then Velasquez fields it, backhands it, and fires it to Rizzo. They had to go to replay review, but he was just out, and the Yankees won the game. So his defense um, has been great. His speed on the base paths, he's really fast. It has reinvigorated, re-energized this team. And then guess what? Luke Voigt has been a revelation since he came back off the IL. He is third in the MLB, third in the bigs in terms of RBIs. That was before yesterday's game. He added a couple more RBIs, so he might have jumped up that list. But I also had no problem with Luke Voigt's comments. Okay, he made some comments about how he wanted, uh, he deserves to get some playing time himself. Um, and he knows that, you know, Rizzo is a good player too. And his injury concerns are really the ultimate reason why they brought in an Anthony Rizzo. Um, but he's absolutely right. He was top 10 in MVP voting last season in a, you know, albeit a shortened 60 game span. But it still counts as a season. He led the majors with 22 home runs, okay? Um, this is a guy that deserves to play. So the lineup that I would roll out there is I would put, and call me crazy, I'd put Judge in center, Stanton in left, Gallo in right. Um, they've been putting Stanton actually in right a bit lately. And then you would cement the tallest outfield in Major League Baseball history. 
I'm just assuming there because that would be the uh, triple towers, if you will. Not the twin towers because there's more than two of them. But let's go with the triple threat, the triple towers. Um, it would just be a ridiculous outfield. And then, of course, you would I would DH Voight and I would, I would play Rizzo at first and then you'd fill in. Um, it's going to be a shame when Glaber comes back and Urshela comes back soon because Velasquez, as well as Tyler Wade, I mean, I've ragged on Tyler Wade for years, for years. I've wanted to like the kid. He's a speedster. He brings a fun element, you know, youthfulness to this team. But I've ragged on him for years because I swear every time I've watched him play sparingly, I swear he's never gotten a hit. And now that I'm watching him, he is finally balling out. Um, in the month of August, he has, I believe, uh, he's batting over 430, which is one of the two or three best batting averages in the league uh, since August 1st. It's just uh, another guy that's been an absolute revelation. And this team is fun to watch again. Just stealing bases left and right, getting it done every which way. Sure, the ninth inning, nobody knows who's closing. It, it, it's been, you know, um, a bit of a struggle for the Yankees, but... Um, you know, I'm here for it. The Yankees now have a two-game lead, full two games on the A's and the Red Sox, which is always nice to see. Two and a half up on them. And um, the A's, actually, speaking of, they they were uh, beaten uh, on a walk-off in the ninth inning. No, not a walk-off because I think it was in the Coliseum. The uh, San Francisco Giants, who won the best record in baseball, Still can't fathom that. Uh, just ridiculous. But um, they walked. They they uh, beat the A's. And I swear I saw a stat that said that was the first blown lead in the ninth inning by the A's since 20, September of 2019. The Yankees have done it, I think, six times alone this season. So the fact that they haven't done it in two seasons, basically, um, is redonkulous so uh they're slipping and the yankees they were postponed today thanks to uh hurricane Henri or henry however you want to call it i'm 99.9 percent sure it's hurricane Henri. um and it did some damage nothing by me but uh my brother who lives just about 15 minutes from me looks like a tornado ripped through his area of town flooding uh you know utility poles down uh, just crazy stuff, and he said sinkholes are forming. So I don't know. It depends where you're at. Um, of course, they've also that means they've also postponed the Northern Trust, which um, is the first event of the FedEx Cup playoffs um, that's taking place in Jersey City. My brother actually lives in Jersey City, not too far from there. But I was supposed to go to this um, either Friday or Saturday, but I the weather forecast didn't look good. So I decided against it, and of course, you know, I uh, the weather was fine up until last night, so they had to postpone tonight, today's final round into tomorrow. You have atop the leaderboard, you have John Rahm and Cameron Smith, who are tied at 16 under. Um, I don't know why. I must have, let me see. I want to get the full uh, leaderboard. Hold on. This is weird. Hold on. 
I don't know why my ESPN app is not showing it, so give me a second. Golf. Oh, my God. Hold on. Here we go. You've got atop the leaderboard, like I said, Cameron Smith, John Rahm. Um, you've got Van Royen at 15 under, Justin Thomas at six, uh, 14 under, uh, Finau 14 under, um, Shoffley at 11. Those guys probably are not going to have a chance. Uh, I also saw a stat that only twice has the winner of the first event at the FedEx Cup won the entire thing, and that was Dustin Johnson in 2020 and then uh, somebody else. I forget who that other guy was, but interesting stat there. Um, oh, here's some news for you, some breaking news. Um, Miguel Cabrera has finally homered. He went eight straight games without a homer from number 499 to 500. So he homered about 10 minutes ago for his 500th career home run. So congratulations to Miguel Cabrera, he's just the sixth player born outside the United States to homer 500 times, joining Albert Pujols, Sammy Sosa, Rafael Palmero, Manny Ramirez, David Ortiz, and now Miguel Cabrera. And what do all those guys have in common? Sosa, Palmero, Ramirez, and Ortiz. <coughs> Steroids. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh-huh. Okay, let's move on. Oh, yes, uh, and speaking about the Dodgers, I got in a little rant about the uh, New York Yankees and how great they're playing. The Dodgers, uh, Trevor Bauer situation, we got to talk about that. So it, I saw the writing on the wall when they went up and picked up Max Scherzer, but um, so Trevor Bauer's done. His season is virtually over. Um, as of two days ago, I know, a woman that accused him of domestic violence and sexual assault was denied a permanent restraining order by a judge. Um, But in terms of what's actually going on with this, they keep extending his leave of absence, so I don't see him coming back this season. I I don't know if he'll pitch again with the Dodgers. I know he signed a big lucrative offseason deal, Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, this was a 27-year-old woman. Um, the the judge determined that Bauer did not pose a threat to her. She accused him of sexual assault over the course of two sexual encounters and that her injuries were not the result of anything she verbally objected to before or during the encounter. Um, the injuries are apparently terrible. Um, if she set limits and he exceeded them, this case would have been clear but she set limits without considering all the consequences and respond um, and respondent did not exceed the limits that the petitioner set. Um, that's, you know, lawyer jargon um, or law jargon and speak. Basically, uh, I guess they had sex. It got a little rough, but there was no um, clear cut stop or, you know, thought of I don't want this so yeah it's all over the place I'm just basically sitting back and waiting to till this basically this is similar to the Deshaun Watson mess in the sense that we don't really know what happened there's really vague little details here and there um so yeah 
who the hell knows what's going on there with Bauer. And then more bad news for the Dodgers, although they are on a nine-game winning streak and favored to win the World Series, so I don't know how bad it could get. But 12 days after signing veteran left-handed pitcher Cole Hamels, they placed him on the 60-day IL. And the reason for that would be old age. I mean, not really, but yes, that plays a part in it, I'm sure. Um, 37 years old, Cole Hamels. I remember when he was at the peak of his you know, career, he was one of the best lefties. He threw a simulated game on August 7th at Dodger Stadium that was scheduled for two innings, but he only completed one of those innings. Um, let's see. Okay, it's a shoulder issue, which is what I was thinking it was. Uh, no f actual details on that, per se, but, uh, yeah, that's all I have. He signed a $1 million guaranteed deal plus $200,000 per start. Well, he didn't make a start, so he gets the fully guaranteed $1 million for doing absolutely nothing. Must be nice, right? Wow. Okay. Um, I think I missed this part. Okay, yes. Next up, right at the spot I want to be at. Okay. Freddie Freeman, he hit for the cycle in Wednesday's 11-9 victory over the Marlins. Like I said, the Braves, one of the hottest teams in the NL and in baseball, really. Um, so... They're 9-1 in their last 10. This, I believe, is Freddie Freeman's second-ever cycle. Uh, so pretty impressive to do it once, let alone twice. And guess what? It took him just six innings to do. Uh, let me see. I think he had a home run in the sixth. Let me see if I can get that audio. Terrific road trip so far with nine hits. And there's a bid for number 10. That's headed for the right field corner. Around second Solaire. The big man chugging to third. They're going to wave him around. Here comes the relay throw to the plate. It's going to be close. And they got him in the first inning. And he smokes that one into right field. He might have another double. That's always a good plan. Freddie's on his way to second. Sanchez digs it out in the corner. Freddie's chugging. They're going to send him. Chisholm's throw to third is going to be late. One ball, one strike. And Freddie onto the glove of Aguilar. He's aboard again. We'll see how that scored. It was scorched. Game against the lefty starter. As this one's whacked to center. That ball is deep. That ball is at the wall. That ball is gone! It's the cycle for Freddie Freeman. Have a night. Yeah, there you have it. Um, the cycle for Freddie Freeman. I think there's been a couple this season. Um, so, yeah, very impressive. And, dude, I don't know the last time it's been done in six innings. That is impressive to do it in six innings. So, yeah. Okay, I got to talk about the Padres. They're kind of my team right now because I have no choice but to root for them. A couple weeks back, I thought they were making this deal for Max Scherzer, so I, on a whim, threw 100 bucks on them to win the World Series. Since I've done that, they have been free-falling. 
they now have a likelier chance to miss the playoffs than make the playoffs. They're in a virtual tie for that second wild card spot with the Cincinnati Reds. It is looking like an absolutely awful, awful futures bet on my behalf. Um, I'm kind of disgusted. They played the uh, Phillies last night, and they were getting destroyed by my boy Aaron Nola, through, uh, who was throwing a no-hitter, I believe, through uh, six innings, took it into the seventh inning before, I believe, uh, giving up a home run. But anyway, the point of this is um, the Padres got lucky. Nola takes this into the ninth inning before giving up a two-run homer to tie the game. They later go on to win the game. Um, cool story there, Aaron Nola facing his brother, Austin Nola, for the first time ever and threw his hardest pitch of the season in striking his brother out. So that was a cool story there. But Nola doesn't make it through the game, does not finish the game as he gives up the two-run homer to tie it, and the Padres basically uh, needed a miracle to squeak this one out after getting no hit. So, yes, they are in a virtual tie um, for that second wild-card spot. If the season ended today, I'm assuming there would be some sort of playoff. I don't know if the um, Reds have like some sort of tiebreaker. I'm not necessarily sure, but this is not good. This is not good. They are not going to catch the Dodgers, who have 10 more wins than them and nine less losses. They're certainly not catching the San Francisco um, Giants, who lead their division with 79 wins, 44 losses to their 68 and 57. They need to hold on, and I need a miracle that they make it into the playoffs, win that wild card game, which uh, if they have to face the Dodgers, that doesn't look likely. So I don't know. I'm hoping that maybe I can just pull this out at some point and get half my money back, maybe. Um, but it's really just not looking good. So um, I blame the Padres free fall. For me, uh, on me, that is all my doing. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry to all San Diego Padres fans. I'm sorry. Okay, it was announced, or sources are now are saying that the Cubs and the Reds will play in the 2022 Field of Dreams game. <sighs> Excuse me. Um, I'm just yawning at the fact that it's going to be the Cubs and the Reds in the Field of Dreams game. I'm s I am don't understand this. Why? Because uh, they had the White Sox in it, so now they don't want the Cubs to feel left out. This is a snooze fest of a matchup to put in the Field of Dreams game. I'm sorry. It should be the Dodgers. It should be somebody like maybe the Astros. Dodgers and Astros, that would be fun. Um, just the beef they have, or put the damn Yankees in it again. I, I mean, it, come on. Anyway, um, that's my two cents on that. Okay, we also had um, a big boxing bout last night um, between Manny Pacquiao, right, and this guy Ugas. It's the first time that Pacquiao returned to the ring in 25 months. He, it was a unanimous decision. Your, your Danis Ugas um, gets the win over Pacquiao, basically ending Pacquiao's career. I think he's probably going to retire. Um, he was originally supposed to fight Errol Spence Jr., but Spence suffered an eye injury during training ahead of the bout. 
and Ugas was elevated from an undercard fight to take his place. When that stuff happens and you're just brought in to fill in a spot, you usually don't win. So that's glaring, the fact that he beat Pacquiao. Um, so, yeah, Pac- Pacquiao was interviewed afterwards and asked if excuse me, if he plans on coming back, and he said he's leaning 60-40 towards retirement. But things can always change. Okay, let's talk about Shikari, Shikari Richardson. The, of course, you will know her as the Olympic hopeful sprinter that was given a ban for smoking marijuana, did not go to the Olympics, and she had herself a nice race. It was her first race against some Olympic Jamaican sprinters. Let me pull it up for you. Give you some of those details. Okay, so it was a nine-person race. Okay, nine. And Shikari Richardson finished, wait for it, wait for it, in dead last place, okay? So, I guess the U.S. made a good call in not selecting her to the Olympic team. Um, She finished last in the 100 meter and withdrew from the 200-meter at the Prefontaine Classic. Her time of 11.14 seconds was way behind winner Elaine Thompson-Hara, the Olympic gold medalist from Jamaica, who clocked 10.54 seconds. Okay, I think the three Jamaicans finished first, second, and third. But the point being, and, and I have to take take action um, and speak out against SportsCenter, I don't like what they did. Sports Center posted on their social media a picture of her time and her racing and then a picture of her like all happy in the stands or something and they made it seem like she did well in this race and they tried to almost hide the fact that she finished dead last dead last and let me try to find the clip of her speaking cuz this is a doozy Here we go. This is one race. I'm not done. You know what I'm capable of. Count me out if you want to. Talk all the shit you want. Because I'm here to stay. I'm not done. I'm the sixth fastest woman in this game ever. And can't nobody ever take that from me. Okay, there you have it. Sorry for the expletive, but that's unedited raw audio of her speaking after the game. She's a little bit out of breath. I don't know where she gets off in saying that she's the sixth fastest woman ever in this game because she just finished dead last. So nobody cares what you were, what you think you are, sixth fastest. You just got smoked. You're the ninth fastest as far as I'm concerned, or if you want to put it, the slowest. Uh, because you just got smoked. You just got torched. I mean, it looked like you were running in slow motion compared to them. And it actually looked like she might have been, you know, hitting a, hitting some, uh, you know, smoking up a dube, if you know what I'm saying, before this race. Because she, I swear to God, she was, she looked 
like she was moving in slow motion compared to the rest of them, and she got absolutely smoked. So you're not the sixth fastest in the world. You were the ninth fastest in one race alone. So you better put your money where your mouth is because if you don't step it up, you are going to be irrelevant, totally beyond irrelevant. You won't even be a thought. So, yeah, she gets uh, my vote for Bonehead of the Week. That's number one. The real winner, the real Bonehead of the Week, though, however, because this is something that I think I'm going to start bringing to this show, is my Bonehead of the Week. And the Bonehead of the Week goes to none other than Angel Hernandez, one of the worst umpires in Major League Baseball. He had his discrimination lawsuit because he's not getting playoff and World Series games. And time after time, he gets dismissed because guess what? The numbers don't lie, Angel. You are one of the worst umpires in baseball and people don't like you. Take this game yesterday between the Yankees and Twins, for example. Are you ready for what Angel Hernandez did? Here it is. Okay, you have an 0-2 count to Rudnand Odor in the bottom of or the bottom of the seventh inning with the Yankees up six to nothing. Runners on the corners. Okay. Odor has a 0-2 count. Um, he's in the box. The pitcher just begins his lift off the mound with his left foot, okay? He just begins his delivery. He's in the stretch. And Odor puts up his hand, like calling for time, puts up his left hand. He realizes the pitch is coming in. He grabs the bat back, hits a home run, but guess what? Angel Hernandez, the boob that he is, gave, granted, Odor timeout. And everybody knows umpires are never supposed to give to grant timeout that late, especially when a pitcher starts his windup. So take a listen to what actually happened. Time called very late. Oh, are you serious? Time was called. That's unbelievable. That is unbelievable. Oh. Boone's not going to win this argument. He's just going to ask him if he called time. I mean, I don't know. I've been watching baseball a long time. I don't remember if I've ever seen that. A guy calls time, is granted time so late that the pitcher is in his windup already, and then he hits a home run and it doesn't count. I mean, have you ever heard of such a thing? So, bonehead of the week goes to you, Angel Hernandez, once again, I'm sure this will not be the last time we see you. Okay, and then last but not least, we have the Little League World Series um, is underway in Williamsport. And we had a no-hitter from Eli Jones via the great state of Washington. Take a listen. Eli Jones, who the coaching staff in the past has clocked as high as 72 miles an hour. These guys have the arm care, make sure they can have the recovery, the rest that they need to go into the next game. Uh, There's the breaking ball. We're talking about X. Jones deals. 
And spins one in for strike three. You see something in the strike zone. It might look like a fastball the way it, the, the way how sharp it is on the depth. There's the cheese. Rolls it back to Eli Jones. Boy, we might need to give Eli the nickname of Smooth out there. This guy is good. Eli Jones has a no-hitter in progress, and he gets another comebacker. He has fielded his spot so well in this one, and he retires Evan Morjon. Yeah, just the way he jumps off the mound when the ball is hit anywhere near his vicinity shows you how athletic he is, how much he can move. Rally Shark, Rally Dolphin, what? A strikeout for Jones. His 2-2. Yeah. His strike three called. Here tonight, his first pitch in the air from Brancaleone. Tian in left. It's a no-hitter. Eli Jones has done it. So, yeah, there you have it. A no-hitter for Eli Jones and the kids from Washington. He's not a big kid. He's actually uh, kind of small. It was funny because they interviewed him afterwards, and um, I can't find it here, but they interviewed him afterwards, and uh, they said, what are you going to do? And he said, basically, we're going to have fun and party, which is just a total kid answer. So that was really cool there, really funny. Um, and... The kids from Tom's River, they did lose their first game and got sent into the elimination bracket. They bounced back nicely with an 11-4 win against Connecticut. So I look forward to seeing them in action, see if they can um, make some further noise um, in this tournament uh, as well. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun to watch the rest of this all United States-led field. Of course, no international teams because of COVID, but still uh, going to be fun to watch. And then last but not least, we have on this date in 2007, the Rangers, the, that is the Texas Rangers, defeated the Baltimore Orioles 30-3, setting the American League record for runs in a game. And unfortunately, Orioles fans, um, things have not gotten much better. They currently have a 17-game losing streak and are creeping up on the all-time record of 21. They are actually in action right now against the Braves. It is top nine. They are losing 3-1. to one. So in all likelihood, they will lose yet again, um, and they will extend the streak to 18 games. My goodness. Um, at some point, they have got to break this and get a win. At some point, uh, just shockingly bad. But um, that's pretty much going to wrap this thing up. It's, you know, the end of the weekend now. It's Sunday. Um, you know, like I said, there's some preseason games on today going on right now, later tonight, etc. You guys know what's, you know, you guys get the gist. You know what's on TV, what's not. But again, Northern Trust final round will be picked up tomorrow let's see if rom who was the betting favorite going in was you know on a lot of had a lot of rest going in so he was rejuvenated he was somebody i was looking at actually betting on 
Um, so we'll see if he can pull through and, and get the win over Cameron Smith or maybe somebody like a Justin Thomas makes a push just a couple shots back. It's going to be a fun one to watch. Hopefully I get to watch it because I have to go to work in the morning, but hopefully it's still on by the time I get home. So we'll see. Um, that's going to wrap this one up, guys. Episode 146 of This Week in Sports. I'm the Pody signing out. If you are in Hurricane um, Henri's, you know, uh, death zone, if you will, hopefully you're okay. Like I said, I'm doing fine. So just take care, um, tend to your needs if you have to, and good luck with that, and stay safe. I'm the Pody signing out. I will see you next week, hopefully with Nick, for a football-themed episode 147. So long.